Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We've reached episode 714 somehow. This is being recorded on March 15, 2023. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm still Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm one hour late Brett Van Spurnberg. One hour late? Well, I mean, we're recording this one hour later than usual <laughs> because we just concluded a stream talking to Ed from Sapphire, which... I will somehow incorporate into something or a, a featured video. I'm not sure exactly what's happening yet. We've like, a, like a talking qu- for like quasi hour, two hour teaser video. thing throw in there. Kind of yeah. like tune in for the whole thing later. Anyway, uh, you can support what we do here at PC Perspective by going to Patreon and giving us money. Yes, this is the oh. part of that podcast where the content creator asks you to go to their <laughs> Patreon page, which in this case is patreon.com slash PCPer, P-C-P-E-R. And you can be like Jack H and Elizabeth. Both of them. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Both of you. Much appreciated. Can't do it without you. It's true. And uh, speaking of not being able to do things without people, Josh, we couldn't do the food segment without you. I just don't have, I don't have the chops for it. Uh, <laughs> I think you do. Let's talk about food. You know you what? You don't eat <clears throat> burgers with chopsticks. Well, you could. But I suppose it'd take a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Uh, so last week it was closed and they've had the same special. And so I had to get it again, except that they kind of tweaked this one instead of just the candied bacon. It was a highly peppered candy bacon, but yeah, this is the same special that I've had the past. Well, four weeks, not counting the week last because they were closed because they had deep clean but it was still a good burger and they've kind of worked on the presentation and i think they actually have kind of perfected this particular nuanced version of uh of this one i can't remember what it's called it's like the double pork something i, I but it yeah no it's it's you know sauteed onions uh, an aioli a candied bacon double patty and uh, plenty of, of cheddar cheese. And I think there's a different kind of cheese in there as well. You know, I really should probably prepare for this, but damn it. It was, no, it, it was tasty. It was not as, as salty as it was in previous oh. versions. And so, yeah, it made me happy. And uh, I'm not eating again until tomorrow. Nice. And your delivery yeah. person did a much better job. It's not very, it's not as squished as it often is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wrapped it up nicely and didn't put fries on top. Oh, ah, the fries on top. Yes. Yeah. We move on to news, and we will start with some information from AMD. AMD's first official Ryzen 7 7800X3D gaming benchmarks. Now, what's interesting about this is that they say it is up to 24% faster than a Core i9-13900K, which begs the question, if this costs less and is easier to configure than the 7950 and 7900X3D. Apparently, this is going to be $449. And it beats the $600 13900K. Why would gamers need anything more than this? Why would you get a 7950X3D? If you're on the fence about it and you hear this from AMD themselves, that the 7800X3D is going to be the one to get for gaming. I mean, I assumed that all along, but now they're basically saying it. 24%. Now, it depends on the title, of course. They're doing best case scenario. I haven't seen the chart yet, but here we go. Uh, in Red Dead Redemption, they say that it is 23% faster. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, 24% faster. And then 13 Really? Faster. They went with Total War Three Kingdoms? Well, it's 18% faster in Total War Three Kingdoms. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see what you're well, thinking. Not only that, but, but hey, look, it's, it's 1080p at high quality yeah. resolution. Yeah, at 1080p. Oh. They are doing high quality presets, so that's good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or there's, oh, Dawn of War three. Like, really? Whoa, Dota two, thirty percent faster. Ooh. Now this yeah, is because the, the entire X3 game runs in cash. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, look the the fifty eight hundred X three is what they're comparing it to in this generational gaming performance chart, and it's that. Josh, was faster. that runs in cash or runs on cash? Yeah. What do you guys think? Is the is there any point in a gamer getting the seventy nine fifty X three D when the seventy eight hundred X three D? I I, I kind of form it. I think the price point of the seventy nine fifty it kind of excludes a lot of 
those looking to maximize gaming, that's the kind of people who will want all the threads and all the extra cash because they can. But yeah, I think I think the, the 7800X3D is probably going to sell like hotcakes. And that's why AMD is releasing it a lot longer away from the other two. Yeah, the staggered launch feels a little odd to me. Unless they wanted to reserve all of those 8-core 3DV cache dies for the, the 7950. Because otherwise, that probably would have been the later part to launch. You would have had the 78 and the 79 initially. Yeah, and you would instantly have sold out on the 7800. Yeah. And uh, you'd still, you know, be then selling less of the 7950 because you use more of those dies for the lower end product. I don't know. What do you think? I think that I want to go out of order with what's on the show notes and spend probably five to 10 minutes talking about Uh the X3D. Yes. Because it, it is not a simple drop in upgrade and it, I have been working for days and days and days, including for a few hours today on actually trying to review the 7950X3D part. And I initially did like a couple days worth of benchmarking that I threw out because I was looking at the results and they didn't make any sense. Like, why isn't this performing better? And I followed all of AMD's steps and I want to briefly show everyone what additional steps there are that are required to get this actually set up and working. AMD uh, has a blog post that talks about the title of it is how to set up your system with a new AMD Ryzen 9 7950X3D or Ryzen 9 7900X3D processor. And it it's just the quick start requirements here. You have to have an updated version of Windows 10 or 11. They actually recommend a fresh image. They want you to clean install I was installing this on an existing GPU test bed that had the 7950X since launch. And I was like, I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do a clean install. I'm just going to update the BIOS to support the new processor. And then when I get it installed, I'm going to run the new chipset software. Heathen. And get that updated. And there are additional steps beyond that because to actually use the 7950X3D as a gaming part to its best advantage... You have to do things like update the Xbox Game Bar app Game Bar. to the yes, absolutely you do. They have It has to be 5.823.1271.0 or higher. It has to be running. There's a special service that needs to be running in the background that basically parks the non-3DV cache cores when you're gaming. And my problem originally was it wasn't running, even though I had installed the latest chipset driver, which includes the optimization process, that wasn't running. There was an unknown device in my device manager, so I had to manually install it. But part of the problem is that any um, swapping, any CPU swapping configuration changes apparently require you to reinstall the chipset driver again. So there's there's some extra hoops you have to jump through. It's, It's driver, it's... BIOS, of course, but it's also build of Windows, and I'm probably not getting the best. I probably had those issues because I didn't clean install. If I clean installed to like 22H2 Windows 11 Pro, who knows if I would have had the same issues because I was running 21H2, but I had updated it and then installed the new software. So uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is I went through the reviewer's guide. I looked at AMD's public blog followed all the instructions, made sure I met the system requirements as far as the build of Windows. And I did get better performance after doing all of this than I got initially, but it's still not, it doesn't make any sense to look at the actual results that I got. Unless that's, unless the 5800X3D on the latest Ajisa code with the new chipset driver, which I did use for all of this new testing is just that good because there are numerous instances where the 5800X3D is faster than the 7950X3D in my testing anyway when we're when we're playing the the 1080 low game I didn't even test it reasonable enthusiast level settings to see if it makes any difference at all 
here we look at the lineup. Pricing is all out of whack now because these are all launch prices. There's deep discounts everywhere. There's bundle discounts with the non X3D parts out there. For, uh, AMD themselves is selling the non X3D parts for like $100 off at the top end. I don't know how much it makes sense to talk about this from the standpoint of just regular CPU performance because it's a significantly lower TDP part than the 7950X. But to me, that's actually the most interesting aspect of this design because it's 120 watts. Then the X is 170 watts. And under a multi-core workload, my 7950X actually pulls about 235 watts. This one never even reaches 150 regardless of the situation. And it's using a lot less than that in gaming. And it, as you can see, even in here we are in Cinebench, it's showing better single-threaded performance, which I would hope with the with the 3DV cache. A score of 2071 versus 2044 with the non-3D part. But then it's a couple thousand points lower in multi-thread. Then we can look at some other multi-threaded, but it's pretty much the same story. Until we get to 7-zip, the X3D part does, in fact, give you, even with the lower TDP, better performance at file compression. It's not quite there with decompression, which always scales with core count and frequency. But the X3D, even at slightly lower frequencies, it is faster at compression with the 3DV cache, which to me was telling me, hey, I do have something uh, correctly configured here. But then you look at results like... Here we are, just time spy. I took the flagship part for each platform. I have the X3D on AM4, the KS, the 13900KS on uh, Z690 board, and the 7950X3D on the X670E board. And some of the results just didn't make sense. Like the X3D on AM4 outperforming the KS and the 7950X3D in time spy. And this is an average of yeah. three runs. How did you do that? This. And then here we are in Firestrike, which is, you know, an older, I'm trying to show scaling with CPUs and the 5800X3D with a huge lead, a 13,000 point lead <laughs> in Firestrike. Like, well, this doesn't make Interesting. Any sense. So then I go all the way back to 3D Mark 11. And at performance, it's only running 1280 by 720. And in the entry level benchmark, it's like that book resolution. It's 1024 by 600. And we're seeing the kind of scaling that I would expect where we have the the KS on top of the 5800X3D. But then above all is the brand new 7950X3D. But again, this is the territory that just, it's ludicrous. You would never buy a $699 processor to run at that lower resolution to just prove that there is scaling. And here's another example that made no sense. I ran, someone I ran Shadow of the Tomb Raider over and over and over. It has a preset called lowest... That's below low. So I use the lowest preset. Uh, no display scaling. This is with just TAA. No DLSS. And 368 frames per second with the 5800X3D and our RTX 4090. And then the 7950X3D is way behind at like 319 frames per second. It doesn't... It literally makes no sense at all. There's, there's something very wrong. So at this point, I'm realizing... I. Are you, are you saying this is the Chewbacca defense? <laughs> I'm, I'm well, I think it's more Ed talking about the 1% lows. Mm. <laughs> we're oh, we're of- not getting any of that sweet AMD money with you continuing to push AM4 here. Mm. You're just, we're just not. Hey, it's, their, it's still their product here. Finally, we have, here's Cyberpunk uh, 2077. This is version 1.61, the current version of the game. At the low preset, no display scaling. Here we have the 7950X3D on top, but we're showing displays uh, a CPU scaling of two frames per second over the 13900KS, granted at a significantly lower power draw, M- very significantly lower, which I there's just really the interesting chart that I want to show you. And it so take all of these gaming results with a grain of salt, and I go into great depths of detail about the test methodology and the problems that I encountered and how I think that these are flawed test results. I just call them initial findings. Because I think I could go back on more mature firmware with a clean install of the latest version of Windows 11 and a new installed chipset drivers and get better performance than this. But I just didn't have... I mean, I've already spent uh, a couple of weeks on this. Here's a look at power draw. This is remarkable. It's it's the most lopsided... If you're just looking at 13900KS versus 7950X3D, which is the green line, it's staggering because we are almost a 200-watt delta here. It is just astonishing. When you're talking 13900KS, you're buying their flagship part. It's basically pre-overclocked. It's a 6 gigahertz part. And 
it's uh, it's drawing almost 350 watts under an all-core workload. And then you have the uh, X3D, the new X3D down just under 150 watts, like 145. And then right in the middle is the original 7950X, which is about 235, 240, somewhere in there. So it's, it's remarkable how good this part is even compared to the 7950X just with, with efficiency. Now you could of course tune your 7950X yourself rather easily. And I've found at least our sample anyway of the 7950X is the best bend of all the parts, which makes sense because it had to hit the highest clock speeds. That one, I could take a negative 30 offset on all the cores and it was perfectly stable and just sips power. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, the the test results that I got, uh, they are what they are. They're a first look from a person who thought he knew what he was doing, but then they don't seem to add up. But then again, sometimes CPU uh, benchmarking with a GPU doesn't make any sense. I've had this happen way too many times where it's some kind of, it's either a caching thing or just a rogue process or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to get a big swing in results when you're trying to create CPU bottlenecks by throwing insane frame rates at things. But well, all you had to do was <clears throat> use those NVIDIA drivers, which took 10% for the NVIDIA container <laughs> at all times. <laughs> Problem solved, man. Maybe that's, maybe that's the issue. I was running uh, NVIDIA driver 528.02, so not the latest, but the latest when I started the project. And, yeah, it's just... It, like when it's, I got the, Yeah, sometimes things like this, and, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a few years. You know, it's like networking, wireless networking testing. Uh, you can have identical situations. It's just that there's some random piece of software that just throws everything out of whack. And especially when you're dealing with cutting edge software that does not have very good Microsoft support. That's one thing, you know, at least Intel has, I mean, they work, I mean, both companies work with Microsoft, but it seems like Microsoft implements stuff a little quicker for Intel, just because they still have like 73% of the market. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when it when it comes to, you know, Windows 11 and the support for the 13th gen, that was all pretty mature right out of the box. And say what you will about, you know, Intel and AMD. I mean, the, the, the Intel guy is still, I mean, they software is, is half their company still. And they're a hardware company. AMD still can't quite get to that point. So, we, yeah. We talked about platform maturity last week. It's it it yeah. was a little rough going at the very beginning of X570 but it got better and better and now the firmware and like I'm still running the same board that I had at launch which is the X570 Crosshair 8 Hero Wi-Fi from Asus and that with the latest firmware it's rock solid I've never had any issues with it at all and mm-hmm. I just keep on upgrading the firmware keep on installing new processors every year or two. And it's just phenomenal. I I'm sure we'll get to that point someday with AM five, but I mean, just getting the X 3d running on the X 670 E motherboard that I have here, it, it, I'm not going to bore anybody with all the details. It's just painful. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Let's move past this uh, to, to news again. This is a story at a non-tech, but I saw this at a couple places today. Samsung, wants to be the number one fab in the world. They want to be the number one chip maker. They're investing $230 billion over the next 20 years to make that happen. So, sorry, TSMC. But it costs about 8 to $10 billion to... No, in fact, a little bit more now. It's like $12 billion to, to, to create one brand new yeah. fab with ASML... EUV litho equipment and all of the power coming in to and water and water run that and water and water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good Why do they make it in Arizona? Why is Intel building in Arizona? Yeah. They don't have you know, any water. We talked about this. Uh, they yes, they want have. the runoff from Vegas. Uh, I think there's no such thing anymore. I know it's perfectly. Yeah. It's a closed loop more or less. Yeah. I don't get it. And besides that's only 1.15 million bucks a year. 
that's yeah. chump change for chips. It's still no, I, I it, Samsung has has had a taste of of you know being a leading edge fab. Um, their fourteen nanometer was fantastic. They licensed it to Global Foundries. It worked great. Their eight nanometer was not super, but they had still plenty of customers because it was still you know very much a cutting generation product and uh they know where you know i mean we, we have issues with china we've got the potential issues with taiwan and tsmc runs all their cutting edge fabs out of taiwan mm-hmm. and uh they see this as an opportunity if, if things get rougher in the future that a lot of business will hopefully be coming to them and whether or not they get dragged into some of these regional conflicts, uh, potential regional conflicts. So that's uh, a nice way no of putting idea. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it is an investment in the future that needs to be made because chip making is getting harder and harder. And if you don't start now, you may never be able to catch up. So I always preferred vinegar on my chips, but. Malt vinegar is the best. What Canadians. malt vinegar do you prefer, Jeremy? This is a uh, well. It's hard to find because lately, all I've been, thanks to apparently supply issues going on, all we can get is Allen's malt vinegar out here, and it's oh not even worth it. It's awful. The supply chain crunch has come to the malt vinegar. I don't know. Heinz makes a pretty delivery. solid mar- that's, malt. That's my they do, and I haven't seen it in forever. I love Heinz malt vinegar. It's my favorite. And yeah. uh, they're. Hot dog mustard has disappeared mm-hmm. as well. The the yellow mustard, or huh. no, sorry, the hot dog relish, the yellow relish has disappeared. Wait, do you get dill or too. sweet relish? <laughs> this, is a, this is a very I, important question. I really mostly skip relish, but oh, I will get the mustard so relish. Nice evasion. Oh, I see mustard relish. Okay, yeah, mustard. But no, a relish is mostly just boring. Well, not what it's look. Heinz makes the best relish. I'm not. I'm not paid to say this. I'm not an heir to the Heinz billions. I'm not at a. You're not married to no, much to our I'm disappointment. Not married to a Heinz. Teresa. I'm married to a. I'm gonna. I'll come clean. I'm married to a, a minor celebrity's uh, distant cousin, but that doesn't mean that I can't speak candidly about my love for Heinz sweet relish, which is the best I've ever had, and oh, Heinz ketchup. It's sweet relish, ketchup. really? Forget sweet relish. Yes. But you have to use it with in conjunction with mustard. So I'm guessing this is probably getting you get the acid to cut the sweet. Yeah. Yes. You get the hot dog. You put the sweet relish. You put the the mustard on there, and sometimes some ketchup too. Almost Chicago style, a little bit of that tomato flavor. You know. Have you Have you ever considered sauerkraut? Uh, Well, on a sausage, yes. If this is like a Polish sausage, then sure. But okay, good. That's what I was worried about. Made out of like. Chicken bones. Oh, then just dump now whatever you got. Now we're talking about it. how the sausage is made. Let's yeah. move on. We're approaching the deadline. Yep. Yes. Moving on. Microsoft has finally fixed SMB copying speeds in Windows 11. Is this what I've been encountering? What What's going on here? Probably. Well, I mean, who who uses server server messaging block anymore? Like seriously, to pull down from it's a network a share? Or... Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, they they really messed up. Uh, with uh, 22H2 on Windows 11, we're talking like a 50% increase in copying times on anything that used buffered I.O. Oh. And, well, SMB and many other things do. So up until now, they've been saying, well, just use RoboCopy or XCopy. They didn't use buffered. doesn't affect it at all. Way it goes. Your, your server admin is going to be a little bit annoyed at you if this is the way you're trying to access their network shares. So they finally managed to put out a patch for it. Uh, so do, do your update and you should all of a sudden see network shares, SMB or not SMBs, uh, NASA's and various other things suddenly copying at the space that they, at the speed they should be. It's taken them a while to fix this. Uh, it's, and if you're any, if you got any concerns right now, it is an optional update that you can grab, uh, next month's patch Tuesday, it's coming out fingers crossed and knocking on wood that, uh, it won't provide some new and interesting side effects as well. 
look at this amazing interface for the Microsoft Update catalog here. But huh. yeah, they've really uh, screwed the pooch on this one. Well, here we go. It's utilitarian. Oh, hey, I don't mind utilitarian. I just want to be able to get the KB and the what it does. And well, you can't do that anymore. Okay. Yeah, back from the good old days. And then they do the highlights, and it, it really does not delve into what it used to. Update improves the search box experience on the taskbar. Okay, well, let's see. Oh, a touch optimized taskbar for two. Yeah, exactly. It's new Braille input and output languages and narrator. I mean, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, but I don't see. Let's see. Updates, updates to task manager. Updates. Uh, Xbox uh, subscribers. Uh, UI. This is my problem with the new KBs is that instead of it giving like a press uh, release, a text, tell me yeah, what the it's not a techie thing. It's a press release. <laughs> yeah. Good. Oh God. Was this information helpful? Big fat. No. Let's pause here for a word from a podcast sponsor. Hey, our sponsor Collide has some great news. If you're an Acta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. If there's a device out of compliance, that user just cannot log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT can struggle to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to really stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Acta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set grace time, they're blocked. Collide's methodology means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. So visit collide.com slash PCPer to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash PCPer. We're back and we're going to talk about Synology. They have two new... Uh, disk stations available. These are four bay, the DS423 and the DS423 Plus. I've only seen the 423 Plus listed for sale, but they're both apparently available in the channel now. And which is a good thing, because I mean, uh, having more than two, but less than five means more storage, but less money. And Synology makes great stuff. Some of it can get kind of up there in price, but I mean, even though this is only a four, it's uh, up to 72 terabyte capacity if you populate it with 18 terabyte disks. And I was looking at a listing for this at B&H Photo. It's a new item coming soon. You can pre-order it. It's $500. Okay. It's, it's a 2 gigahertz quad-core Celeron J4125. You've got two Wait, M. only 2 gigabit slots. ethers? Yeah. It, yeah, it, this you is, can this connect is, this is expensive one. Yeah. It, oh, okay. Even the I have a five bay that's like this. You can team and get faster, you know, connection through the network, but it's only dual um, gigabit instead of being two point five. Hmm. And you, you know, if you get the five gigabit. bay, you get the Ryzen fifteen hundred B. I think it is. Oh, really? CPU. Yeah. Oh, How much does that puppy cost? It's about another two hundred bucks more, I think. Yeah. But does it come with two point five or ten? No, no, you got to you, yeah. you have the ability to uh, upgrade to a 10. Right. You can add like the uh, additional. Yeah. The add in card. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm looking because one of the popular ones here, this is the number one seller at BNH, the DS923 plus that's been around for a while. That's a four bay, but it's 599. So this does give you a more affordable option. This is a Ryzen though. This is a Ryzen. Yeah, that's a Ryzen. Up to the 923 plus. But again, Two gigabit Ethernet ports. I don't know if this one... Yeah, this one does have the mm-hmm. M.2s, so that's good. So uh, high-end features have trickled down. For a while, I thought it was just like flagship parts that had the M.2 caching, but apparently it's all of them now. Well, I guess uh-huh. if you team them, you at least team, two gigabit. Yeah, I have mine set up that way. I have two one gigabit going to the, the switch, so... And of course, then I never actually see the benefit because I'm not connected fast enough down here. I'm like, oh, it's a gigabit connection on a wire down here, so... That's got to get upgraded. But anyway, if you seek the appliance-like experience for storage, then they're great because the software is super easy. The thing is reliable. 
they're not a paid sponsor or anything. I'm just bringing it up because I saw the press release. Uh, yeah, we use their eight bays all the time for stuff that, you know, yeah. we need fast. A lot of, well, it's not overly fast. It's still pretty quick, but it's not an overly high performance NAS mm-hmm. or iSCSI target, mm-hmm. but it is solid and you can throw a lot of storage into it and it just runs mm-hmm. And they constantly just, update it. I just checked Newegg. 18 terabyte WD Reds are 284. That's right so now. cheap. Reasonable. Yeah. 18 terabytes. 18 terabytes, 284 for WD Reds. Yeah. Red, I'm sorry, they're Red Pros, not just WD Reds, Red Pros. Oh, better. Yeah. And you told me that 10 years ago, I would have said you were a loony. Yeah, <laughs> and these are 7,200 7, RPM, not 54s. What Ooh, kind of uh, cache are we looking at there? 256? Uh, 512. 512. Oh, 512. Good Lord. I know. It's a hell of a drive. Let's move to the next story, which is... Oh, God. Microsoft. We're bringing this up, are we? Microsoft just laid off one of its responsible AI teams. This is a uh, platformer. As the company accelerates its push into AI products, the ethics and society team is gone. Well, as part of their 10,000-person layoff... Just does this seem like a good idea at this point in time? Hello, chat GPT. Does this seem like uh, a good well, point in time to lay off your ethics team? I'm just not considering sure. how well the ethics teams have been doing to this point. You're making an interesting uh, point here. Okay. Yeah, because uh, they're about as ethical as AI is AI. Because <laughs> that's just a large language thing. I, it's yeah, not AI. Yes. True. And yeah, I don't know that any of the people that they uh, had on their ethics team actually did like a PhD in ethics, which, you know, is it actually a thing? Because ethical dilemmas, hey, they're a thing. Now that's, that's philosophy and you don't want to hire a PhD in philosophy. It's Hey, come on. They're desperate, Josh. Well, they are. They've got nothing else except McDonald's. <laughs> they they mm. did say the team was doing more of an evolving than really a pure elimination. So Microsoft should still have an ethics team. Please, everyone, stop worrying. Microsoft does have Microsoft. an ethics team. It's just an AI team now. All yes, the learnings from all the years of all the you know all the emails, everything is just trained. They can do the job for free. No, the, the, there, there's a little quote from it that. Most members of the team were transferred elsewhere within Microsoft. Uh, I'm assuming the basement where they can't be found. <laughs> Afterward, remaining ethics and society team members said the smaller crew made it difficult to implement their ambitious plans. Wow. Hmm. So they've downsized it to the point where they don't have to listen to them anymore because they don't have. Uh, and there you go. Anymore. <laughs> there are settings within Windows that are designed to enhance your security in a way that we've just never seen before. It's unprecedented. I mean, obviously Windows 11 is like a, a beacon of security from the TPM 2.0 requirement all the way down to virtualization-based security, a.k.a. VBS, which apparently has a big impact on frame rates. And this article by Jared Walton, default Windows VBS settings slows games up to 10%, even on our RTX 4090. You can scroll down to the fine print. He's got a chart here where he's got, it varies. You know, it's 5%, 2%, but some outliers are in the 13 to 15 to 16% range, which is unfortunately significant for certain games. Last I heard is that it still hasn't been confirmed that they automatically are turning this on on all machines. I thought I read that new installs had this turned on. Is that not true? Well, what they're saying is if you update uh, Windows 11, that will turn it on. Oh, okay. But probably if you've got a new version of, of 11 that you're installing from scratch, they probably, yeah, it probably automatically turns it on. Sebastian, there was a really big bump down in the bottom. Was that Total War down in the bottom, like to plus 28%? See, there it is. Yeah, that's uh, pretty significant. 37.7% at 1080p Ultra. Yeah. Uh, it seems like people should go in and check this setting. Yeah. Might be some free frame rate. <laughs> it, 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 we see the it, vein it, come oh. out on your forehead once we get to the security. Yeah. It's it's time I, for security I mean, corner. Jeremy, take it away. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this one I felt I was a little delving a little further into politics than generally we like to. 
but I think most of us are going to be on board with uh, Stalker 2 got doxxed by some uh, Russian hacktivists who are essentially threatening that unless they unban one specific person from their official Discord. So, I mean, it's it's kind of pretty obvious who did it. Uh, get lo- Russian localization either at launch or immediately afterwards. And oddly enough, stop being or change their attitudes towards uh, Russia and uh, Belarus, which as far as I know, GSC Game World has not banned them from installing games from Steam and like EA and CD Projekt Red. But so they've stolen tens of gigabytes worth of stuff. It's all assets from the Stalker 2 Hardest Chernobyl game that's coming to come out sometime this year. And so they're sort of asking, hey, uh, as, a, as a Ukrainian, you can totally dox my uh, home address because it's currently a flattened piece of land. We don't really care. What they're asking is more or less, if you see some leaked uh, screenshots and that, first off, they're saying, of course, it's all pre-release. It's It doesn't represent what their game is. But second off, hey, don't be an arse. Don't support them. Don't look at the screenshots. Sorry for anyone that's is, offended by that, but hey. Is it's, no it's, one safe anymore? Is no one safe? Jeremy, this, this next one, I couldn't even pronounce it. How, how do you even pronounce the manufacturer here? And what even is this thing? It sounded crazy. It was a kitchen sink doorbell. It is Acuvox. And it is the the like we have complained about the Internet of Things for a long time and just how horrific uh, the Internet of Things can be. This one has managed to combine them all into the Swiss army knife of vulnerabilities. It's a door camera uh, for large buildings. So it does live video and audio. Uh, if you want someone to come in, it takes a picture of them, and then you're able to communicate to it to uh, open up the door. It's, uh, it creates logs in real time. And the vast majority of it is sent up to an FTP site in plain, unencrypted transmissions yeah but that's that's part of ftp's charm is that it will always pretty much be unencrypted yeah you're looking for the uh don't sftp me bro i know how it works put the s in sftp (laughs) and the best thing about it is that literally you could just log into it and download the pictures (laughs) like it didn't even care that you were just intercept you didn't have to intercept in transmission from this device to the FTP. You can log on to the bloody FTP and download it. Uh, there, there are some wonderful ways where there's a web interface, because, I mean, hey, you want your doorbell to be accessible from by your phone, but there were ways to skip any authentication and just get access to the web interface and assumedly let yourself into the building. Uh, it, it's... CERT and uh, a, a security company called Clarity that I'm not familiar with reached out to Acuvox numerous times who just essentially ignored them, never bothered to respond whatsoever. So if you have or know anyone with his Acuvox E11, like it's probably a really good idea if you just like smashed it with a hammer or removed it politely or just like got it off of your network because I'm sure that there are a whole bunch of ways because of course there are hardwired uh, access uh, user or user access within it as well. They've got to hit the entire bingo card. So if it's hooked up to your network, yeah, your now network is invulnerable or is vulnerable. Yeah. This is just awful. Oh, Discord wants to know if it's, if it's collecting biometrics from people as they're either touching it or being yeah, videoed. Or uh, no, no, it's not a touch. It, it's just a, a camera and a, a communications device, so it do- probably doesn't have your fingerprints. Okay, probably. Hmm. But oh, as far as the Internet of Things go, this one, this is the best one I've seen yet. 
Next up, hope you didn't install the quick access to chat GPT extension. What is what is that extension? Oh no, Facebook. This is Facebook related. Well, sort of. It's a piece of malware that you can install. Uh, it was because people are obsessed with Chat GPT and the, the large language set that is behind it, and so not everyone can get access to Chat GPT. So these enterprising hackers uh, created a, a Chrome Web Store thing on Web Third or a Chrome Web Store on March 3rd called Quick Access to ChatGPT. The interesting thing is that they actually managed to hook it into ChatGPT. So it looked like you were talking with ChatGPT. But the thing was, what it immediately did was grab any active credentials into Facebook and immediately grab use them to leverage to buy paid ads on your credit card to put out ads for download quick access to chat GPT. And wow. of course it's really, really big right now in enterprises. Uh, the, the number of people I run into in my job, and it's like, if you ask them a question, they don't Google it anymore. They just ask chat GPT. And sometimes it even comes out with decent answers, but most of the time it's pulling stuff out of its uh, rear end. But this just started spreading, and it was a signed app on the, the, the Chrome store. So they finally pulled it, I think, about the ninth. but there were tens of thousands of downloads in that six-day span. Wasn't it 50,000 I saw? Yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, it's, so it, it's out there, and it's probably a C-level person that grabbed it. Mm -hmm. And it, oh, yeah. it, it's an interesting way of doing it. It injected two fake... Uh, Facebook uh, add-ins into it. And Facebook was like, yeah, nope, these are perfectly valid. And so it harvested all your cookies, it harvested your account data, and then and as I said, it happily started paying for ads for itself on your dime. So mm -hmm. if you downloaded this or know anyone that did, yeah, you, you should probably switch to the uh, new Bing might not be as useful, but at least it's not trying to steal anything. Well. <clears throat> it hasn't already told you it's stealing. Yeah. Which isn't really stealing. Let's pause once more for a word from a podcast sponsor this week. Make a change this spring. Skip those trips to the grocery store and all the meal prep and probably all the cleanup that goes with it. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door with Factor. Factor has delicious, flavor-packed meals to help you live your life to its fullest. We've had a chance to try them, and they were all top-notch. Whether you select the calorie-smart, keto, the vegan, veggie, or protein-plus option each week, these meals have been prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. There are 34 weekly options with always something new to try. Enjoy meals for any time of the day. They even have breakfast options like egg bites, smoothies, snacks, and more. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals really fast. Ready as quickly as two minutes, with no prep and no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash PCPer50 and use code PCPer50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code PCPer50 at factormeals.com slash PCPer50 and get 50% off your first box. We're back and we're going to talk about uh, gaming. It's Gaming Quick Hits. And we're going to start with uh, the inevitable news of a game being delayed. This is System Shock Remake. It's now been delayed to May 30th. This makes me slightly yeah, sad. it's been delayed by about 15, 20 days because say a lot of people, well, okay, people. yes, it, <laughs> it's been years, but uh, they released the open demo and they collected a lot of information from people about uh, what was going wrong, what wasn't working, and they're really working towards making sure that when it comes out, it's not going to be a, uh, you know, one of them games. I'm happy so, yeah, for that. I'd rather have a better product in the end. I've waited long enough at this point. Another two weeks. Exactly. Nope, it's yeah. fine. If you didn't back it, uh, if you do get it on Steam, uh, and I hate to say this, but apparently if you pre-order it, you get the System Shock 2 uh, remake for free. So, I did that. Yeah, I, I mean, I backed it. 
like five, six years ago. So I, I'm still waiting. But yeah, if you and I think I still get the Sandstorm Shock for free too. But uh, yeah, it's 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 fun, and they got the original voice actor to do Showdown again. Oh, so I know. yes, if she if you the... remember Terry, you you yeah. will. <laughs> yeah, they're actually in a band called He's Tribe. Still waiting for you. Okay, yep. this is the oh. uh, System Shock nerd portion of our podcast. Oh, it is. Yeah. Hey, you Terry put it on. Somebody did. Yep. Uh, speaking of things yep. that I didn't put on the list, something from Fanatical. Uh, this is a game bundle, or what is Fanatical? It is, but if you look at the first two, these are the kind of the newest deluxe editions, Resident Evil 4. And those are maybe, you know, $50, $60. Uh, but if you move on to perhaps you do not have enough Resident Evil in your life, you start hitting the Resident Evil 3, 2, biohazard gold edition you start getting into that less than ten dollar range wow this is actually that's a savings of 78 percent off the original price you know for those who are computing by percentage that is correct <laughs> i mean it's on the screen i'm just going by what it is said. so the medical is doing their entire spring seal the, the yes. spring sale is now yeah and well, i have never had a you know, when, they re- company. when they redid uh, re1 and i installed mm-hmm. that 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 was a good looking game for the time mm-hmm. that, and then yep. they have improved upon each. And so I guess, you know, overall graphics and, and, and design and, and that, I mean, they, they stayed to the same story and a lot of the same bad people and things, but yeah, it, they've done a nice job with uh, recreating these with uh, a modern uh, engine and effects. So ten dollar games, not bad. I zeroed in on the on the Resident Evil block. Mm-hmm. There are others to be had, yeah. but check out Fanatical. Our final gaming quick hit is about the Steam Deck, and there's been a lot of speculation ever, ever since it was launched that this is just a Gen One product and wait for the next version of it. Well, a more powerful Steam Deck is quote a few years off end quote. Valve says this is the story of Ars Technica. Valve sees the value in keeping a solid hardware target throughout the generation. I think what they see is uh, how well this worked for Nintendo. It's like, look, we'll just worry about software. The hardware can stay the same for like five or six years. Don't you worry about that. And I you're, mean, I would love you're to not see wrong. that was thinner and lighter and had better battery life and stuff. But, but remember yeah. for Nintendo, they were really targeting the Switch with all the software and all the games. This, the, the, um, uh, the Steam Deck borrows everything from the PC. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, it's a almost, I, I'm gonna, I'll use air quotes here, a miracle that it runs as well as it does. However, as the article states, they've got like over 8,000 titles that at least reach playable level on the, on the Steam Deck. So they, they don't need to try any harder right now for it's, it works pretty well. Honestly. Yeah. Proton works pretty well. This is not works brand well. new territory for Steam work, working so well on Linux with so many games. And yep. I mean, it came out how many years ago? Five? What, Pro- no. Proton Eight? or the Steam Deck? No. Steam Deck. Steam Deck came out, what, a year ago? It yeah. Long ago. Oh, Steam sorry. No, Steam, the Steam controller cheap. was, what, five years ago or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Steam controller. Yeah. It's, the Steam Deck Gaben's is still relatively new. It, it's actually finally readily available, apparently. Last time I logged into Steam a couple days ago, it was saying it's in stock and, you know, ready to ship. So I don't know what configuration that was, but. I had a pre-order I gave up, actually. I it was hard not to it. give them up even if you got them because they were selling for so much damn money. Like You could get uh, one and then turn around and sell it for two or three times what you paid for it. Probably so, should have done it. Yeah, maybe I should have done that, but I would have felt dirty. But anyway, the point is, is that stuff, but yeah. they're they're running high-end, you know, fresh, fresh releases like Dead Space or Elden Ring, so... You know they don't need to try any harder right now. All you do is turn down the resolution and quality settings, and you can pretty much run anything. This is it's it's legitimate gaming hardware. It's just it's a small screen. It's what twelve eighty by eight hundred or something. It's it's Mm, not like that ultra tough to not twelve eighty by six hundred. No, not ten twenty four by seven by six hundred. No, not like three D Mark eleven. It's an AMD semi custom part, and so with all that AMD inside, I think it is smart to stay on the same platform because. 
then there's one target. There's one hardware target. They know exactly what to yep. optimize for. So, and if this continues uh, to gain momentum, if the price drops and it gets more mainstream and I can just go into my local, you know, whatever, unfortunately for me, that's just basically a Best Buy. There's no other electronic stores, but the side story is AMD console themselves. The, the oh. side story is switch to Linux and just end game without Windows, right? The game on Proton, you you'd that. be amazed at how little you give up. You might give up 10 to 20% off the top. Um, but then again, look at Windows. Look at the 10% performance reduction just from, you know, virtual true. security ESP. settings that are enabled. Yep. There's certain things that are a little bit more difficult, like certain online aspects. Uh, Anti-cheat stuff might be a little difficult sometimes. You know, just boycott but, those games. Don't even play the games with yeah, the Nouveau. Don't play those. Don't Here. play those. Besides, the anti-cheat doesn't do anything but slow down your computer. It That's doesn't stop too. the cheaters. Yeah, it's mislabeled. <laughs> it keeps honest people unhappy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Sebastian, I'm really glad that you jumped into the review earlier tonight. Yeah, because yes, now we can go to picks of the week and then wrap up Indeed. the show. Jeremy. Yay. Woo. Josh, Woo. start us off. Me. Uh, okay, so this is available, but it actually has a little sale applied to it. I don't know for how long, maybe 11 hours or so from the recording, so maybe you're out of luck when you click it, but it's an actual available RX 7900 XTX 24 gig for dang near MSRP. 999 is the MSRP, and uh, with the thirty dollars off, you can get it to you know one thousand nineteen bucks, a thousand dollars and twenty smackaroos, and this mm. can be yours. Now, I'm not saying you it's should go out and buy back. it, but I'm saying if you've been looking for one, we've actually starting to see stock. I even saw some on uh, AMD.com's direct the other day for about five minutes, and then they sold out. But yeah, we're starting to see stock and as ed had talked about earlier uh the more that comes through we may see some better pricing as the channel continues to move but he would have preferred if you'd offered a sapphire card yeah oh geez i'll I'll do that (laughs) uh jeremy your pick so this was uh, a briefing that i got uh via work samsung dex everyone's heard of it no one but uses it uh, it turns your Samsung phone into, you, you can connect to a computer and use your smartphone to use it. They came up with a usage scenario that I am fascinated by. The Dex dock is what looks like a laptop, but is a dumb terminal. There is no storage in there. There is essentially nothing in there but a monitor and a keyboard. It runs for about 300 bucks, but your uh, executives that literally run all of their office applications off of their phone can plug into this with a USB-C phone and get a full laptop typing and touchscreen powered by their Samsung phone. There's literally, if, if they lose it, no one cares because nothing is stored on it. If they pour water on it, who cares? It's only another $300 to replace. This is so much better than them demanding a surface or some other bizarre piece of hardware. That you have to maintain. I'm I'm very curious though. Because it's essentially a glorified docking station. And the newer Samsungs have the the, the horsepower to run it. I I am really hoping that uh, I can convince people to start buying these for certain people that I work with <laughs> because honestly the, the work that they do. Yeah. It, it PowerPoint. That's all you run. You, you don't actually need a computer. Your, your phone can do it. I think this is a very interesting, uh, especially for anyone that's security is conscious because yeah, you, the thing you give them, it, it's got nothing on it. Their phone does, but well, not much you can do with that. It's interesting. Cheapest chips. And yeah, hey, if you've got a family member who is comfortable with their phone and needs a new computer, this might be a thought. Check it out. It's the, uh, what is it called? The Dex? 
Dex the Dex Doc. Dex Doc. D E X. D E X Doc. Yeah. Brett, your pick. Didn't go with the technology pick so much this week. It's more of an entertainment pick. We have this member in our Discord channel that is constantly saying, watch more anime, watch more anime. Not that I haven't occasionally dabbled in the anime, but I sat down and decided to finally take in Attack on Titan. Been enjoying it and uh, just got to the very end, and I've now sought out the rest of the story online. So uh, if you're looking for an interesting anime to watch, uh, go watch Attack on Titan. Watch more you anime. You just like the muscle... Just- uh- you it's like, like the Discord. muscle definition, don't you? Oh, it's just, it's so generous. <laughs> mirror, mirror. It's going, what? <laughs> and this is, uh, this is on Crunchyroll. Of course, Crunchyroll yeah. and uh, Funimation are now one. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually, uh, in order for me to fully watch this, I actually uh, re-upped my Crunchyroll. Um, so. Yeah, they changed their uh, membership yeah. thing, didn't they? Yep. A lot of the things have changed. Remember, Crunchyroll used to be the one for, you know, you anime nerds out there like me. That was like more straight from Japan. There'd be subtitles. We had to be okay with that. And then Funimation has a team in Texas, I think, that does all the voice acting work and they dub animes. And then they had their own distribution, which, of course, like everything turned into a streaming service. So uh, now I think it was Funimation who bought Crunchyroll. I don't know exactly what happened, but the two are basically one now. There's cross-pollination, and there's actually dubbed animes on Crunchyroll now, which is mind-boggling to me. It is a bit. Never, never the usually, case Usually I watch them with the just the titles, and uh, but I actually have enjoyed Attack on Titan with the dub. Yeah, Funimation does a good job. They have a solid uh, voice acting it's uh, been good. cast that does a lot of this. You know, it's, you know it's really sad, but maybe what? it's a good thing. I remember 15 years ago when, when, you know, like Hulu was introduced and you, you would watch a couple of things that, and then the rest was just crap. Netflix, when it first started out streaming, they had a couple of big titles, but it was just absolute garbage for the rest. Yep. And now we're at the absolute opposite side of that. There are so many really good things and international things and things from the U.S. and from smaller things. And we've got all these streaming services. I don't have enough time to watch them all. I really have to pick and choose. And I'm missing a lot of stuff because <laughs> I just I can't sit at my computer for six hours a day and watch things that, you know, from 10 years ago that were imported in from Korea. You know, and talking live action stuff, not even anime, which I, I can't do anime anymore. I OD'd and my college years. So it's changed just like a lot. tequila. It's changed a lot. Eh. I, what I love about anime is the, the direction. Like you can, you can obviously do infinite things with camera moves mm-hmm. and stuff. Cause it's animated, but they've gotten very advanced. Some of the storytelling is, is really, really good. And it's usually kind of the subject matter you never would find with stuff from the West. And, and strange, strange, interesting stories. And I, I think I see your point. Sometimes the camera angle or the or the way they have the way yeah. they angle the scenes is is absolutely fascinating. My pick this week is uh, in honor of our guest earlier, Ed. And I'm not even sure how we're going to incorporate that uh, conversation. Or what we're going to do? <laughs> but so much. I have the Sapphire uh, Pulse. This is the RX 7900 XT, and this card it's not like <laughs> reference. Bare bone, like this isn't the one you're going to find for $7.99 right now. It is selling currently for $8.69 before a $20 promo code. This is $8.99. We're going to keep seeing these drop, but for $50 over what has become kind of the reference target at $7.99 lately, even though, of course, this launched at $8.99. That was AMD's reference price for the XT. Now you can find them for less, of course, but... Uh, Sapphire has dropped their price from $9.99 with this card down to $8.69 before, of course, the $20. So $8.49, and it's it's faster than reference, and it's, it's really quiet. And you know what? Less annoying coil wine. Anyway, check out the Sapphire Pulse. That's all I've got. Josh, you want to give us an outro? <sighs> Do you know how handy needle-nose pliers are? You got something in your nose? What? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> But you know what? <laughs> it's been a long couple of weeks. Things have been crazy. Work has been nuts. Spring is not yet sprung. But we have a lot of things to look forward to. Better weather for us, mostly. Up in the northern hemisphere. Can't attest to anything in the southern. We can look forward to 
lower prices overall on PC components as demand has dropped and people are actually voting with their wallets. And for that, I congratulate you. We've seen some better deals in at least the AMD side and, and graphics and, and certainly in CPUs, motherboards, and memory bundles that, uh, well, there's $250 off a 7700 bundle, which, you know, it had decent 6,000 Expo memory and a reasonable motherboard. These are things you can't complain about because it's all moving in the right direction. And that's all we can do. Move in the right direction because moving in the wrong direction means you're going through time backwards and you're probably going to die. So, good night.